Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. I think we are all set. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to the final episode of Underground Sports Philadelphia in 2022. It's episode number 494. KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios. We got a lot to dive into about our teams, about some rival teams. I think I'm ready to add another uh, to add to the list of, of money laundering uh, that I have famously put out on the internet uh, after the Atlanta Braves did what they did once again. Uh, Carlos Correa may or may not be a Met. <laughs> Gotta love it. Uh, we're going to talk about the Sixers absolutely blowing it against the Washington Wizards. Figure out all you need to know for Eagle Saints. And of course, uh, look back at 2022 and look ahead to 2023 as this will be our last episode before the new year. So happy new year to everybody. Uh, but before we get into it, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at underground PHI, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash underground sports PHI. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. Follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. It really helps the show continue growing. That's what we want to do heading into 2023. So be a friend, tell a friend when you're out on New Year's Eve. Uh, just whip the phone out. Tell them to subscribe to Underground Sports Philadelphia. Just search it on Apple, Spotify. Leave those five-star reviews. And, uh, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel where you get full video episodes of every single podcast on the network. You get full live streams for big events that we have like the OTB casts, you know, we got some big stuff planned in 2023 as well when it comes to live streams. Uh, so go subscribe to the YouTube channel so where you also get the original content uh, that we're pumping out. That we have big projects coming in the new year that you won't want to miss. So it's YouTube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. Subscribe, smash that like button, ring the bell icon, and comment down below your thoughts on everything Matt and I discuss on tonight's episode. Your New Year's resolutions. Your, your hopes in 2023 for your favorite Philadelphia sports teams, players, whatever it may be, uh, leave it in the comments section below. And of course, big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen and have made it happen for almost five years running. Uh, Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, Christmas is coming and gone. Hanukkah, Kwanzaa's here. Boxing Day, you can still go celebrate the end of 2022 with our fantastic merch partners, PHI Apparel Company. There's no doubt in our minds, guys, when you're going down to the Wells Fargo Center, the link, when it, when the time is right, Citizens Bank Park, Xfinity Live, wherever it may be, Subaru Park, once the union season kicks off, you're going to stand out in the crowd with the unique designs from PHI Apparel Company. You can get official Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast merch that includes this show, Outside the Box, Top Bins, Streamer Season, Get in the Hole, and some new stuff on the way. Uh, you guys can use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off whenever you want at phiapparel.co for 10% off your order. And through the end of 2022, you can use code 2022 for 25% off your merch. Get our merch with that code. Rep the brand. Let us know. Tweet at us. Tag us on Instagram if you're grabbing Underground Sports Philadelphia uh, official merch from PHI Apparel Company. But they're the best in the game. PHIapparel.co. Code 2022 for 25% off uh, any Underground Sports Philadelphia merch. And then 10% off any and all merch with code UNDERGROUND at PHIapparel.co. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream. Uh, we are indeed living the dream uh, as don't know how effective it will be but uh 
apparently Lane Johnson is going to play in the postseason. Uh, scary stuff after the game against uh, the Cowboys where Lane got injured. He's got an abdominal injury. He's going to sit out the remainder of the regular season, but it came out today. He's going to forego surgery until the end of the season in terms of postseason, and Lane Johnson will be suiting up in the playoffs for the Eagles. Just uh, goes to show that football guys are just built a little different than the uh, <laughs> than the average person. I th- I always think it's amazing to think about like just athletes in general and the injuries that they're like day to day with are injuries that would like you'd be telling all your friends about for like the rest of your life is like everyone's like broken a bone at some point in their life or like torn a muscle or sprained an ankle or something and they're like oh man I did that when I was like 18 it was the mm-hmm. worst it's like that's just the, they're like reality every single week is like injuries that would normally like sideline the average person from even going to their office job yeah like, it's just uh like if so, if someone you knew tore their abdominal <sighs> muscle like they would be on, probably on bed rest for like a solid two weeks easily you know? and he's like planning on in three or four weeks playing a, a game of football <laughs> at one of the most like physically demanding positions yes just hungry dogs are built different he's got that hungry dog in him uh, Jalen Hurts did not participate in the walkthrough today for the Eagles, so if he doesn't practice tomorrow, it's unlikely he'll play against the Saints. I'm kind of fine with that. We had Ralph Marlborough on uh, Eagles Enemies this week, which will come out later this week, so make sure you check that out. He said, if the Eagles don't win this game, he tweeted this at me too, if the Eagles don't beat the Saints, they're going to be one and done in the playoffs. Yeah, the Saints have been... Uh... Not great offensively at all. Defense scares me a little bit uh, just because they've been able to make big plays throughout the season. But I would imagine – I just think when you can, like, consider, too, Eagles are a few bad plays away from probably winning in Dallas over mm-hmm. the weekend with Gardner. I, I think you have to expect that they're, they're able to take care of the Saints. Um, and that would wrap up uh, the division, wrap up the, the one seed as well. So that would do a, a lot of good for them, I think, just taking that off the mind. But – um, yeah, I mean, we talked about Jalen and his injury, and I, I found out, too, that it's not a AC joint sprain. Mm-hmm. It's a different joint. It's, it's like the SC, SC joint. Which is apparently, though, like the the worst of the two, I guess, yeah. two sprain. Um, an AC joint is a, a shorter recovery time and is, I guess, less prone to re-injury or a more serious injury, whereas the SG joint... Um, longer timetable. Tyreek Hill had this injury, and it took him over a month to, to return to action. A little different when you're a wide receiver as a quarterback, but it's his throwing arm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't even be shocked, too, then in a really meaningless game, potentially, in Week 18 against the Giants. I know we talked about maybe him getting a little bit of burn, but um, this just feels like an injury maybe that's a little more serious than, mm-hmm. you know, we're being led to believe. And, uh, you know, I just I think... I think the, the Eagles might do well to just give him what would be essentially a month off, uh, you know, to, to rest and, and make sure this thing is good for the playoffs. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people say, like, let Gardner beat the Saints this week because he's fully capable. Like, against the Cowboys, Gardner Minshew fully proved he's like a top 20, at worst, top 25 quarterback in the NFL. He should be on a lot of teams as a starting quarterback, and we're lucky that, you know, he's the backup here. Um, but he should be fully capable of beating the Saints. You know, you're – you're not typically going to have four turnovers in a game like the Eagles did. And the two games that they've had four turnovers, they lost. So just don't turn the ball over. And the Eagles win that game against Dallas. They gave them 20 points on turnovers. You let Gardner beat the Saints. You wrap up everything. I have seen people say just to see and like let him test it in a game scenario where there is kind of that like ticking clock in your head to like get the ball out of your hands. You let Jalen play for a quarter or like a half, depending on how he's feeling that way. His arm's not fully, like, incapacitated for a month. I just, I don't think. I'm more leaning towards what you said. Yeah. But I do understand, like, that. I get that, too. But, I mean, guys come back from injury right away all the time, too. Like, I I just, I, I think, again, people get really locked into this idea of, like, got to keep it. But even then, he'd still be sitting for a week anyway. You know yeah. what? He plays. So he, he throws, like, 15 passes in a game environment. And that's, like, and then he sits for another week. You know, assuming he yeah. was to wrap up the buy, and then like, well, I don't know. Like, I just think, I, I why risk it? Like, why risk just even mm-hmm. even just a, especially with Lane out, right? Like, just one guy falls on him wrong, and I mean, then you're talking about him being done for the playoffs, and realistically, 
there goes your your Super Bowl hopes. So I just think, uh, yeah, maybe it's not ideal to have him quote unquote rusty in the playoffs, but I also think sometimes we might uh, might just like read too much into the rust angle. And also, I mean, the Eagles are going to be, you know, have a home game and and should be favorites against any team in the NFC uh, when at home. So you have to just trust that. You have to trust that they can they can perform that way. Yeah, and the Eagles get the Saints on New Year's Day. Going to be a rowdy, raucous crowd at the link uh, post-Mummers parade. And uh, I feel like Eagles-Saints is one of those weird matchups that we tend to get like almost every year where like now, especially like in our lifetime, like obviously 2006 was like the first Eagles-Saints, you know, showdown Sheldon Brown absolutely spears Reggie Bush into the next dimension and I think that's what started it all and then you have 2018 where the ball goes through Alshon's hands 2014 Nick Foles left the field with a lead or 2013 whatever it was and then uh you know the the Vikings absolutely dunk on the Saints to eliminate them from the postseason the Eagles end up going to the Super Bowl because of it uh Eagles Saints feels like one of those out of division rivalries yeah, I think there's, I, I think too, like the what Kamara saying that, um, you know, if they, if they were, if they had beaten the Vikings, they surely would have gone to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and won. Uh, a lot of like sour grapes there. So, um, yeah, I, I think in general, people, uh, I don't really feel like any type of way about the Saints, if I'm being honest. Um, but it does feel like one of these matchups that over the years is like, gotten a it's it's got a little more edge to it than just your typical like uh, conference game um yeah i would say out of most teams in the nfc it's a, it's it's there's there's some history there you know that you have the malcolm make, signing yeah cj Gardner johnson now um yeah but i mean outside of that, there's not even that many other like connections you know not yeah. like a ton of like coaching connections anything like that so i just think in general though there yeah there's been some uh been some big highlight plays in the past which uh which all factors in and i think I think especially this year, though, this, this Saints team is so different. And, I mean, it's the edge this year is, of course, that the Eagles have the Saints pick. So they're double incentivized uh, to win this game. And, um, I mean, it's shocking, too, because the Saints are still somehow alive, <laughs> alive for the division. Um, so, yeah, you know, a, a win this week helps out the Eagles in, uh, in so many ways. One small interesting tie. He's no longer with them right now, and he's probably going to be uh, getting the Saints at least a first-round draft pick. Uh, Sean Payton was the quarterback's coach for the Eagles back in the 90s, 97 and 98, right before Donovan came in. So there's that small little connection there. And then obviously Sean Payton was far more successful as the head coach of the Saints uh, and also leading, you know, Bounty Gate. Um, and then you get a movie portrayed uh, by Kevin James. Bizarre. <laughs> Kevin did a lot of weird things to people's brains, I think. Unreal. Um how do you, how have you felt about because the the numbers you know the the viewing numbers have come out for comparing the the NFL on Christmas the NBA on Christmas numbers how do you feel about these like holiday NFL games and like them trying to make it a thing I like it I actually um, I'll be honest I have not watched NBA Christmas in a while um, one I don't I yeah I don't have cable I have uh, all like streaming service stuff and ESPN and ABC typically you have to pay extra monthly for which I'm not doing because <laughs> uh, you know I just I can't justify it in my mind even though it's, I think it's like five bucks but um, you know and that's where all these N- NBA Christmas games are and I just I don't care about it and I think when it's I think nationally too when it's NBA is a very followed league mm-hmm. and teams are very like followed. The average person, though, even someone who doesn't watch sports, is going to be more comfortable with an NFL game on in the background yes. of Christmas Day than they are a, a basketball game. Because the NFL just dominates people's lives on mm-hmm. Sunday. It doesn't matter that it's Christmas. It's still Sunday. Even if you're not actively watching the game, we were both at a, a Christmas get-together, and the game was just kind of on in the background. Yeah. You'd, and, I mean, they weren't worth watching, to be honest. No. But still, it's on in the background. You know, you kind of tune in and maybe talk about the game a little bit. Um and people just don't have that connection with the NBA uh, on the same like scale and level. I think it just shows that the NFL is still super dominant, and no matter what, is is just gonna always draw a ton of attention. Um, I, I don't I don't think it says anything necessarily negative about the NBA. I think it's just that the mm-hmm. NFL is still just such a, a juggernaut when it comes to attention and and viewership. And I think the NBA is like the Gen Z sport almost, where. 
a lot of you know the younger fans they're not fans of teams per se they bounce around and they just like guys that play for certain teams like they're fans of players more so than they are of actual teams more likely than not for your casual like younger audience so like I think that also plays a part with the NBA now where like the NFL you're mostly locked into a team yeah definitely I you know I think it's the NBA just the nature of it one player, one great player can make such a difference. It's why you have like six MVP candidates this year and you don't have that in football. It's mm-hmm. always just whoever the best quarterback is on the best team uh, that wins it. That's not necessarily the case in the NBA. You know, you, you have, like you said, like a lot of younger fans, I think that just latch on to Luka or Giannis, right, as like their favorite players, Steph Curry, you know, and, and still is. But I think, I think too, it's just, you know, like whenever those – Whenever those leagues are going to be competing against each other, the NFL is going to win. The NFL yeah. is going to beat every other sport, no matter what. I th- I also don't think the NBA Christmas roster was all that no great. I'm it's gonna be much better on paper. Sixers Knicks is like not interesting at all. No. Um, and I I just again <laughs> was not even a thought in my mind. Like I'm not like again this was a Christmas day where it's like you know you have to be kind of intentional about what you're doing. You know mm-hmm. I think you're shuttling around with like family and gifts and stuff, and you know maybe you're like cooking dinner and things like that. Like I don't know, man. Like I'm not really like prepared to sit down and watch uh, Sixers, Knicks, and, like, really get like I think Bucks Celtics is good. Uh, Grizzlies, Warriors are good. But I, I, I don't know. I just think it's uh, – I think for me it's, like – it, it's cool that that's, like, a thing, but mm-hmm. I think Thanksgiving is much more conducive to watching things yeah. on a TV because it's, like – it's really you're just showing up for dinner and, like, I don't, I don't know. I think it's more, like, natural to just kind of, like – linger around a tv for a little longer it feels like christmas is just a lot more going mm-hmm. on because you obviously have gifts included but either way i i don't mind uh, the nfl on christmas day uh we've had it now the last two years something like that we've yeah, had it a couple years ago too or at least on like christmas eve and stuff so it's like sort of sort of turned into like a little christmas eve christmas day type of thing at least i kind of liked the the christmas eve slate though like that was nice mm-hmm. like saturday having a full day um normally saturday you get the opposite you might get like two or three games on the saturday yeah and you know the full day sunday i kind of like saturday being a full day because like you just pop yourself in front of red zone and then you know you were you were back on sunday a little refreshed but um yeah i i don't know that it'll be the nfl's day going forward but i just think i think in general it's it's hard to to separate that time to to watch it yeah and i think i talked about this with Pitts on uh monday's episode like Almost every sport has, like, their quote-unquote, like, holiday, like, tradition. It is, like, NBA on Christmas. It's NFL on Thanksgiving. Uh, college football is, like, the New Year's Six Bowls. Um, Which is also, like, gone away, though. Yeah. Because of the, the playoffs, and, and I, I think that's really demand. The Rose Bowl used to be a thing, mm-hmm. like, and it's just not. <laughs> I think next, or whenever the, the playoff expansion happens, it might help that because then there's going to be actually, like, good teams across the board playing in those bowls. So we'll see how that, you know, occurs and everything. And the Rose Bowl will be back in play. I think it just diminishes it to me. I don't know. I I think because right now it's what the Rose Bowl and what else are the two playoff So this year it's the Fiesta Bowl, I believe, and the Sugar Bowl. Because I know in years past it's been the Rose Bowl and one other bowl have been the, like, college football playoff games to go into, like, the national championship game. I mean, college football is already weird with the bowl games. I like it's just such a bizarre. We have a Jimmy Kimmel bowl this year. It's such a bizarre system uh, to begin with. I, yeah. I, so the championship is at SoFi this year. Yeah. Which is the Rams and Chargers stadium. Um. So it's the Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl this year. I just because they've like alternated since they've started the college football playoff. I just you know I I feel like the Rose Bowl used to just be like. You know, like the second biggest game, you know, to watch, and it felt like an event, and now it's just like it's a stepping stone towards something else. Um, I don't know. I think I think college football has has some flaws. I think I think it's tough. I've never been super into college football to begin with. Yeah. Um, it's just hard. I I don't know. It's it's. Hard I enjoy really college care. basketball far more. Yes. Um, no no hate towards college football, but I just. I like I can remember like some big like games growing up. Like I would always watch like Alabama LSU like growing up for mm-hmm. me. Those were those were always big games. When Auburn had Cam, those were great. Uh, I remember the Johnny Manziel years. Those were a lot of fun. But like the Vince Young Reggie. Bush I feel like game. it's only fun when there's those kind of like 
juggernaut teams or like there's the and I just I felt like I like Burrow with LSU is I think the only time I've really watched college football yeah. in the last uh, like last few years just because it was like damn this is like you know you, you just don't see things like this very often but um, yeah, I think college football in general just doesn't have my attention yeah I think the last like big Rose Bowl was maybe January 2021 Alabama Notre Dame but Notre Dame got boat yeah. raced because it is Alabama like this year it's it's number seven Utah and number nine Penn State I couldn't care less yeah <laughs> And then the last time you had, uh, like a top four matchup outside of twenty twenty one was twenty eighteen, which was Oklahoma and Georgia, which might have been like one of the best Rose Bowls, fifty four to forty eight. Georgia won. I think that was Baker's senior year. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, college football. Like, I think it's partially too because of like where we live. Like, college football has no pull really yeah. in like the tri state area, especially. Um, unless you went to Penn State or something like that. College football, like, does nothing for me. Like, the rules are so much different. Like, I'd much rather watch an NFL game. 100%. Um, before we keep it pushing, uh, Lowell Mets. It's brought to you by our friends at Kenwood Beer. Uh, we're going to have our very first uh, Kenwood Beer, plus a whole bunch of our other partners, on board with us for Philly's opening night live podcast tailgate uh make sure you guys are ready for that it's going to be april 8th 2023 uh for philly's opening night come hang out with us we're going to celebrate trey turner being a philly and uh it's going to be a blast against the cincinnati reds nick castellanos uh former team matchup there as well you guys can go to kenwoodbeard.com use the all new and improved kenny tracker to see who's got fresh kenny's on tap in the philadelphia area Get the uh, the all-new and refreshed Kennys at your local liquor store. And, of course, get your big Kennys at the Wells Fargo Center when you're taking in the Sixers, Flyers, Wings, Villanova basketball, whatever it may be. Kenwoodbeer.com. Got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. Man, it couldn't be any more Mets that they steal Carlos Correa from the Giants. And then Carlos Correa's medicals come up. The same way they did for the Giants, and the Mets have concerns over a 2014 fractured fibula of one Carlos Correa, and he is still not signed with the Mets. There's still no timetable on when he is expected to, if he ever will, and it's just absolutely hilarious that Mets fans had their 15 seconds of fame and gloating in the sun, and then being the Mets just caught them in the ass think it's hilarious i think it's really funny too because everyone was really clowning on the giants and it became this thing too where i think people were sort of like theorizing or, or like I, I think like placing their own beliefs about the giants ownership on them for like the decision not to sign Cray. they're like well they're doing this so they don't have to pay the money they got nervous about i don't think they were nervous about paying the money in general i think they realized like we're not like too sure about this injury and I, I think we talked about it too. Like, Giants, I don't know. Like, they like have taken risks on injury prone guys. Mm -hmm. Carlos Rodon was there last year and they took a risk on him and the contract was friendly towards them. But still, like, they've seen guys with injury problems. They've seen guys have disastrous injuries. Buster Posey, yeah. who changed the entire rule about crowding the plate because of him. Like, I don't know. Like, I maybe I trust that organization about like what they believe to be a potentially like degenerative or problematic injury or area. And um, it seems like the Mets are discovering that maybe... Maybe Big Steve's money doesn't uh, cover injuries. This is a guy, too, that, you know, had a good year last year, but did mm -hmm. take a step backwards in, like, some of the explosive and athletic areas, which, you know, with his potential injury reactivation is, like, a worry. And if you're going to sign a guy to a 10-year contract, you want to ensure... It. You know that the last three years of that are almost always going to be yeah. not great, but... You want to make sure that the first three are going to actually be good in what you're paying for and not have a, a, a big risk of decline or, you know, two of those three years being really marred by injury. So, I, you know, <laughs> it's complicated because Carlos Correa, too, has not done himself any favors in the last, like, five or six years in terms of, like, being a sympathetic character. I think if it was a lot of other people, would be like, damn, you know, it really it sucks for him, you know? Like, yeah. you, you, you think twice now, you think he's going to get this kind of generational wealth and... You know, kind of have this contract secured, and it's been 
pull that from under him. But I don't know where this this ends up. But um, yeah, I just think I think the Giants deserve a little <laughs> a little bit of forgiveness and a, a little bit of a pat on the back. Like you know, maybe you're right. Maybe uh, maybe you're right. And I think it is funny that the Mets have uh, have ended up in this situation now too, where they. Uh, <laughs> it's it's weird because they're like they kind of threw themselves on the sword like oh you know like we'll come in and we'll take them and we'll be the the smart edge guys and they're like ah shit like i think uh i think the giants might have been right on this one and it's just great that i i also found like the cherry on top is like after all that happens the giants just go sign michael conforto away from the mets uh which was very funny and uh it's just it's it's just so Mets that this happens, and uh, it couldn't happen to a worse organization. Uh, so shout out to the Mets, meet the Mets, baby. They, like that's what Mets fans have to understand about being a Mets fan. What that team is all about. It's always gonna bite you in the ass one way or another. Your your team is always gonna find a way to screw something up. They're gonna you know get bitten in the ass by an injury bug, and this time it was a 2014 injury that happened to Carlos Correa when he was in the minor leagues. Hate hate to see it. Uh but the Phillies met since the last time we did record made another signing. Davy Davy Dollars signs uh his guy, Craig Kimbrell, who is now a Philly, and I can't wait for Phillies fans to just bring back the Craig Kimbrell Siegel uh <laughs> stance that he has. Do you think Craig Kimbrell brings anything to this Phillies bullpen in twenty twenty three? He wasn't bad two years ago. Um, it's tough to say. I think it's fine for like a year deal to see if he's got anything left. Uh, and maybe in the hopes, too, that a guy with like his type of experience can give you something in the important parts of a season. I don't know that he's someone that you're expecting is going to be like your... I don't know if he's going to be like your closer, right, for the entire year. But I think like as a relief pitcher and as a guy, like again, that has been in big moments, I think it's fine for the playoffs. It's sort of just a, I don't know, like a shrug kind of signing. It's it's not spectacular. It's not awful either. Um, and I think it has the potential to at least be like a good signing. Um, I It could be disastrous. <laughs> it certainly could be. Like he's not been great. He's been pretty inconsistent as someone of his like mileage is going to be. Um, but I, I think also like a year and $10 million, not my money. I uh, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I mean... In 2021, when he was with the Cubs uh, before he got traded to the White Sox, he had a .49 ERA in 39 games, which is like historical number for Craig Kimbrell. Uh, his best ERA since he had uh, .44 his rookie season in 2010. Um, he wasn't bad for the Dodgers last year. He went 6-7 and seven out of the bullpen with a three seven five ERA in 63 games. He had 22 saves, 60 innings pitched. Um, he just had like those blunder moments where like they stood out, and it's very Phillies bullpen to add a guy like that. Um, you know, he had a moment against the Diamondbacks last year where he hit the Diamondbacks down to their final strike, two outs, and they had a walk off home run. Yeah, like he's he's at that phase of his career now where he's 34. He's not, you know. Cy Young candidate out of the bullpen, 23, 24, 25-year-old Craig Kimbrell anymore. Yeah, which is fine. Um, you know, listen, if he was at that level, the Phillies aren't signing him. You know? yeah. um, I think you just always have to be willing to take maybe a risk on, and the Phillies have done this over the last few years, and it largely hasn't worked. Um, so I'm not, like, inspired that this is going to be the one that works. I do think it's a better bet than some of the ones the Phillies made the last uh, few off-seasons, though. Like, it's not a great one, but I think it's better than a, a Juris Familia type of uh, yeah. signing, right? Where it's, like, pretty much every angle you looked at that guy and it was like, this is this is going to suck. And it did. And it ended up with him being off the team, you know, halfway through the season. So I, uh, I do think that, in that sense, it is a a better signing than the, the Phillies have done over the last few years. And I think in general too, like the bullpen signings have been okay. This, this off season, I've yeah. not felt uh, as negative as I did last year and the year before going into the season with, with, uh, with these arms. I think too, when you have the promise of at least one or two like younger guys probably working their way, if not into the rotation, perhaps as like long relief. Mm -hmm. I think that helps. I think too, like the fact that you've got some good performances out of guys 
in September, October yeah. makes you feel like maybe that becomes more of the same with him, you know, through the rest of the year. Maybe you get a little more consistency out of guys that were, were struggling for that. And that that could help too. Yeah, I mean, you already know your back of your bullpen is going to be Dominguez, Alvarado, Kimbrel. Um, you know, you signed Matt Strom this year, which I really like that signing a lot from the left side of the bullpen to, you know, give you another lefty in there with Alvarado. You're hoping Sam Coonrod comes back this year, who's a guy who can hit 100 on the radar gun. Um, Bilotti was great in the postseason last year for you. You still have, you know, the slot machine. Shout out to Trill. Uh, Nick Nelson back there as well. And then, uh, you know, you just figure it out the rest of the way with the bullpen. And those are the kind of guys that you just hope you don't have to use in the bullpen necessarily. Um, I do think the Kimbrel signing, you, you pile it on top of the Jerry's Familia, the Corey Knievel and stuff, and you just look back and it's like, we really couldn't have given Hector Neris two years, 18 million? No, I guess not. <laughs> At least you got a ring out of it. That's the only benefit there. Um, but I think that is something that stands out to like the sickos Phillies fans, like you and I, who like kind of look at it and it's like, damn, like. We appreciated what Hector Neris was for this team and, and had been in that bullpen since, you know, he got his call up. And then all the casual fans were like, finally, we got rid of Hector Neris. And then you see what he does in Houston. He just becomes an even better pitcher than he was here. Um, you could have had that for cheaper than what you spent on Corey Knievel, Craig Gimbrel, and Jerry's Familia over the last two seasons. So that's what you get sometimes when you roll the dice on uh, not bringing back your own guys. But uh, we could be. I don't know. You know, the Mets are having it pretty rough right now. Our boy Pat Pitts, Matt, has to be absolutely suffering with that Boston Red Sox team. Feel for him. <laughs> Man, like, we were at a point where we really wanted Haim Bloom to be the, the GM, the president of baseball operations for the Phillies when Clintac was on his way out. Boy, did we dodge a bullet. Because... The Red Sox, as constructed right now, are poised to have their number two starter be none other than Nick Pavetta. <laughs> and they're still going to finish with like 80 wins somehow because that's just kind of what <laughs> Been they've been there. Um, bizarre. I guess Cody Gakpo signing for Liverpool had to, be, uh, had, to be, <laughs> had to be done somehow. It's weird because, you know, like they've spent money over the years. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, the last like three or four have. have the wells won't run a little dry there, but even then, they still spend money in strange ways. Like mm -hmm. I, it's the Red Sox have been a really bizarre case, which makes me think. I I don't know what to think actually. The Red Sox, if I'm being like, honest. they signed Justin Turner to a two year, like pretty expensive contract this offseason. Right, like they've spent money in the oddest of ways, and they go, they let go of Mookie Betts, right? They they let go of Bogarts. Devers, Devers might is be on the probably way on the way out. Like just given the track record of of where they've been. Um, and I just, I don't fully get it. I, I just don't, I don't understand. Um, I think if they keep this team together, you think you're talking about a team that's, that's pretty competitive in that division might even win it. Like, and Evaldi just left. Evaldi's not like the, the biggest right. like sin, but uh, yeah, you know, like it's just, it's just kind of bizarre from them. I, I don't, I don't really get what they're doing because they're not even, it's not even like they're like, oh, you know, we're kind of tearing it down and, mm -hmm. and moving on. They're sort of just like. They're sort of willingly being putting themselves in the purgatory zone, where it's yeah. like we have good pieces still, not enough to compete, but certainly not enough to you know save money and and just you know kind of build up the farm system again and have a go in like four or five years. Like they're just sort of languishing right now, and that's a, that's a bizarre spot for them to be in. There's that, and then there's now what I believe is the most injury-prone rotation in baseball, the Texas Rangers, Matt. <laughs> are getting set to field a rotation in 2023 that looks like this. Everybody's lord and savior, greatest pitcher of all time, Jacob deGrom. Nathan Eovaldi, Martin Perez, my guy, John Gray, Jake Odorizzi, and Andrew Haney. I've never seen a more, this entire rotation by Memorial Day could be on the injured list in my life. If you look up the definition of glass cannons, <laughs> it is all of those guys. Um... Yeah, I mean, if they stay healthy, which they're not, but if they do, <laughs> great rotation. Know, it's a great rotation. I, it's a, it's a risky bet 
I'll say that much. And uh, what is it, like the the Texas Hold'em in them? You know, like I think they got a little, they they got a little gambling spirit in there. Um, not a bet I would be comfortable making. The Rangers like have been all in on the. <laughs> You know, last year they spent a lot of money. This year they're spending money again, and they're again putting in some risky spots. So, uh, spend money on a manager. Good luck. This <laughs> like you don't bring Bruce Bochy in out of retirement unless you feel like you're going to win. And I just don't know how the Texas Rangers even win in their division. Like, you have two teams from that AL West that made the postseason and won won the World Series this year. Good yeah. luck. Bizarre. <laughs> like. I, I don't understand what the Rangers are doing at all. Um, not my team, though. Don't have to worry about that, which is fantastic. Matt, what do you, I, I don't know if you saw this. A lot of uh, prediction websites are predicting the Phillies win less games than they did last year. I don't buy into it because we all know that for two months last year, Joe Girardi was the manager of this team. And on paper, I know they, they play the games on the field, not the, the spreadsheets, but Phillies have gotten better than what they were in 2022. Yeah, um, I would be a little surprised if they they win less games, but you know, I I think again, if you you sort of somewhere in the middle of we're not going to start that badly, but we're also not going to have Bryce for much longer than we did last year, um, and even when he returns, he's still going to be a DH. But you know, I think you trust that this team is probably a little better than last year, just on the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's a little surprising, and it's not like the division has gotten much stronger. No, you know, I, I think like the the leap that the Mets took last year going into this year was probably bigger than anything that mm-hmm. anyone in the division has done. I don't think the Nationals are really improving all that no. much. Marlins, they're just like sneaky and frisky, right? But you know, like you expect probably take some wins off the Phillies, you know, like yeah. they always do. But I just, uh, I don't know, I, I don't really see it all that much. And the one team you left out there, Matt, and uh, we're going to talk about this right now. Before we do, though, shout out to our partners at Bino Board. Guys, it's the next big tabletop game for your man cave, your she shed. They're going to be part of our uh, tailgate podcast series this summer down at Citizens Bank Park. Uh, We're going to have Bino Boards at the tailgates. Matt, you just got your first Bino Board for Christmas. I did. And uh, they are sweet. Think paper football meets foosball. You've got Bino. They have officially licensed boards with the Premier League, with Liverpool, Arsenal. They've got World Cup-inspired boards still available, and you can get custom boards as well. When you go to BinoBoard.com, use code BinoUSP, that's B-I-N-H-O-U-S-P, for 10% off your order and hear someone's story from the other side of the pitch. That's BinoBoard.com, code BinoUSP, for 10% off your order. Matt, I am prepared to add a fourth member to my money laundering Ponzi scheme list. Obviously, the the age-old mattress store conspiracy is, is on that list. Everybody knows that we have talked about it for years now, that crypto and NFTs is just nothing but a Ponzi scheme, a money laundering scandal. Shout out SBF for proving that theory correct. Taysom Hill's contracts from the New Orleans Saints are 1,000% money laundering. And I think what the Atlanta Braves front office is doing, there's got to be some sort of money laundering under the table, fraudulent happenings going on. I'm going to read this list off to you because it is truly fascinating that the Braves, Major League Baseball, the Players Association has allowed this to happen. These are the contracts that the Atlanta Braves have signed their players two that are for, I believe, seven or more years, including newly acquired catcher Sean Murphy, who they signed to a seven-year, $63 million contract this week. Uh, right here. Players the Braves have signed a seven-year, seven-plus-year extension since 2019. Ozzie Albies, seven years, $35 million. That one is crazy. Ronald Acuna Jr., eight years, $100 million. Matt Olson, eight years, $168 million. Austin Riley, 10 years, $212 million. Uh, Michael Harris, eight years, $72 million. Spencer Strider, 
seven years, $92 million. And Sean Murphy, seven years, $88 million. I don't understand how they're able to continue getting away with this. So I think with Sean Murphy, uh, it'll, it pays him through his arbitration years, mm-hmm. meaning he loses some free agency time. But he's being he's gonna get like a pretty like it sort of works out in some ways best for both teams. I think it's actually like a, a pretty smart deal, I think, for everyone involved because um he's obviously played well, but probably make better on the open market, but you have to wait a few years to get on the open market. And he's sort of sort of locked in now, he's gonna get paid a pretty decent amount, have like that contract security too, for the catcher position, which is like a position that's not kind to players. And still is the potential for, like, another contract after that, you know? So I, I think it's... But, yeah, I mean, so many of those contracts are bizarre. We've talked about it so much that the Braves are just able... Was this, the Spencer Strider contract isn't in there, right? Like, they, they extend him, and, like, I just... I don't get it. I don't get what kind of magic they work on these guys to convince them to... Because, uh, ultimately, those contracts are pretty much all team-friendly ones. Even the Sean yeah. Murphy one, even though he's getting, like, definitely some good out of it. Um, it's still, I, I would say, a team-friendly contract. Like they're they're making a, a bet that's that's going to go in their favor more often than not. So, as much as we hate them, <laughs> you know, like they just they know how to finesse. Finesse is right, and uh, man, the the Albies one is just the Albies one. I think is, is is really egregious. Um, the Acuna one too is yeah, just crazy. Uh, bananas because that was also too at a time where like guys were getting big contracts. Yeah. You know, that was that was right in the the Bryce Machado mm-hmm. like saga. So I I even strange. Matt Olson eight years one hundred sixty eight million like yeah Matt Olson as much as I can't stand him he's really really good defensively and offensively yeah it just blows my mind. But shout out Dansby Swanson from for getting out of the clutches of the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> see you in Chicago when the Cubs sweep the Phillies in a four game set later this year. Um, <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> Happened twice. <laughs> the uh, the Sixers, Matt, they uh, they did it again. Find a way to lose a stupid game to the Washington Wizards. Um, I I tweet like I can't take them seriously until Doc Rivers is gone. Yeah, they're on an eight game win streak and lose a, a tough one to the Wizards. Um, you know, this season has been a lot about streaks and things like that. And, um, you know, the Sixers have gone on some, some big ones. And I think the biggest thing is you've seen, like, Harden and Embiid over the, over that eight-game win streak put up some some big numbers, especially Embiid. He's kind of re-entered the MVP discussion uh, with a lot of those those totals in that time period. But Harden, too, has, like, gotten back to really elite playmaking, which has been exciting to see. It's a frustrating loss, but I also look at where the Sixers are talent-wise, and Maxi is set to return this Friday. He's going to be on a minute restriction, which makes a ton of sense. Um, and then, you know, hopefully he comes back and is, is able to get healthy. I think, you know, that that's sort of been lost in so much of the Sixers season so far is how injury, you know, and snake-bitten they've been with guys just in and out of the lineup. And the fact that they haven't had what is likely their third, if not second on some nights, best player, you know, uh, in, in Tyrese Maxi. So... Having him back will be a big boost. Um, yeah, I th- I th- I st- it feels like talent-wise, like there's probably a, another big guy away from being a little more competent and a little more shored up. Um, long-term, like you said, it is hard when you think about the playoffs with this team and think about Doc Rivers and having to watch that mess again. Because it, it feels like... It feels like a you know a movie with a twist that has been spoiled for you, or that mm-hmm. you are, it's just so obvious to you. You know, like it's like you're almost like not invested in watching the hour and forty minutes or whatever to get to the end to see the big reveal or twist because you know how it's going to end. You know, and you know that the Sixer season is going to end in some kind of disappointing fashion in the playoffs, and I think that makes it kind of hard to be engaged with the team as a result because we've just seen over the last few years they've just not been able to to get it done in the playoffs. And so much as that had been down to, to Doc Rivers. But even player performance has not been great in the playoffs either. It's not like, you know, these guys have been, uh, you know, Embiid has just had a way of getting weirdly injured in every playoff run over the last few years or right before the playoff. Like, it's just, 
I don't get it. This team has just not had the things go right for them uh, in, in, in May that, that you need to, to, to do well. And uh, Doc Rivers is a big part of that. And I, I just, it's, it's always going to be hard to be invested while he's here. What did you make of the, the right before tip off Woj bomb about Harden? Um, I, who knows? I, it's so, it's, it doesn't make a ton of sense for Houston. I'll say that much. I think it's it's a weird pivot point for them to be back with Harden and uh, sort of balance being this young team that could be potentially growing together. And, you know, we'll see how the rest of their season goes. Obviously, they're going to be looking for someone like Wemby. They, they want to win the lottery and, and get up there. And, um, you know, I mean, if you have him, Harden, Green, I think that's that's interesting. But it's I, I just think it's, it's not a, a, a timeline that makes a ton of sense to me maybe Harden just wants to go back there and I I don't know he's he's a strange guy we know that we love our James but you know he's a man that is motivated by lord knows what <laughs> you know like and um he's been great here though I'll say that like I've really enjoyed having him clearly but he did refute the report of course he did but every you know every any, player does. any anyone logical would, brain person would. right would come on and say that that's stupid um largely speaking when Woj reports things it's true now, he, listen, he could be considering it. You know, all it says is that he's considering a return to Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really not... If he doesn't get a new contract with the Sixers. That's not groundbreaking news. I don't know. I, I think James has been happy here. There's reason to believe that the, you can be successful here. And, and again, <laughs> after this year when they get crushed in the second round and Doc hopefully gets fired, then, you know, you get re-signed and think, kind of buy into the fact that maybe this team could be something special. But, um, yeah, right now, I... I I'd be a little surprised if he left for Houston. He could leave it for you just to see it somewhere else. It's on the table. He's a player option. Of course he can, but um, I would be a little surprised. 100%. Um, so we'll see what happens with the Sixers. They do have a back-to-back uh, on the 30th and New Year's Eve, so they'll get to uh, crush our hearts one last time when Isaiah Joe hits a game-winning three probably in Oklahoma City. So we'll see how that all plays out later on this week. Uh Matt, did you get a chance to uh, dive into the old Survivor? I did. Um, I mean... <laughs> Survivor 43 finale obviously <laughs> happened last week. Uh, Matt and I both got a chance to watch it this week. If you would have asked me, of those five, who was going to win, no shot, I would have said Gabler. I, th- I feel like I said a few weeks ago, that Gabler was reading the game pretty well, and it felt like he had... I felt like, you know, anyone in the the, the last seven could win. Anyone. I, I didn't think there was a single person left that I wouldn't be surprised to see win. Um, when it came down to that final three, I felt like it was just... It was a toss-up between all of them. A little surprised Owen got no voted. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cassidy, I felt like, had a messaging issue in... I think she had two things working against her. One, I think she didn't quite read what the jury wanted out of her but i think also the jury was not maybe not bitter but i think there was some like she's really gonna have to wow us i think and i i don't think she did that i don't think she said what they wanted to hear and i it's always tough um carla being a little uh a little i i can't i don't want to say bitter but it just you know that was a little out of character for her um yeah i i think the the Jesse moment with the uh the the fire was was nice. You know, I, I think like we in a weird way we kinda like those moments in Survivor, right? When we see someone clearly so like emotionally tapped out through all of it. Um I'll be honest, I think I'm kinda over the final three thing. I think I'm kinda over the fire making challenge. Yeah. I think it's it's just I think it's also really unfair to whoever wins final immunity because it feels like that's used as a weapon against you because mm-hmm. People put way more stock in you winning the fire-making challenge, which, yeah, by the way, is more luck, I would say, than winning an immunity challenge. Yes. Like, we've seen people have, like, amazing, you know, fires that are about to burn the rope and, and lift the flag, and all of a sudden the wind just blows the wrong way for you, which you can't control at all, you know? And just all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're back you're back towards the bottom. I, I don't know. Like, I just I feel like it's it's a little annoying, and it, it feels like two people constantly have to play, like, hero ball for it, and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it gets held against you if you don't, which I think is really unfair because I think it's an objectively stupid thing to have one immunity and be like, well, actually, I'm going to not take the immunity, you know, and I'm going to like, why would you make yourself, If imagine anyone else doing that. One of the most iconic moments 
of foolishness on the Survivor show is when Eric gives up the immunity necklace, right? He gets convinced by everyone to do it, and then he gets promptly voted out. Like, you know, it's just like you never... You never make yourself not immune, especially when you have the chance you're sitting at, you know, uh, in a in a jury situation and like plead your case for a million dollars. You know, I just think it's it's dumb. And I think, you know, we've had a ton of three final threes now where someone doesn't get a single vote. And I just think, why not? I just make it two again. I, I, I just I think make it a twist to make it be like. I, I thought they were going to do that last year. I thought there was mm-hmm. going to be the twist where it's like, actually, you know, you think that it's going to be a final three, but it's a final two. You know, like that would be cool. You know, like let's let's mix it up a little bit would be my uh, my 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 New Year's wish for, <laughs> for Survivor. Survivor. Uh, and Gabler donates the entire million dollar check uh, in his father's name to uh, veterans, which was a unprecedented move never seen before the entire winnings getting donated so uh the entire season 43 you know gets that to their name where the the winner donates the check uh to people in need and uh season 44 is is right around the corner did you see the uh the teaser that they put out during the uh i did um I, <laughs> so first of all, if I'm a survivor, the one thing I'm not doing is climbing the jagged rocks that would almost certainly like lacerate your entire body if you fell. I think that would be like my number one thing would be to just avoid any like self harm, self injury type of situations where like if you just slip the wrong like naturally when you're out in the wilderness, like there's always a chance that you could hurt yourself in some way. You know, incidentally, I feel like putting yourself in a hazardous situation like that is, I don't know. I it's, it's not something I would personally ever do. Um, yeah. And then you yeah, obviously, I think the highlight of that or low light, whatever, however you want to look at it is the, the medevac situation mm-hmm. that we might get, which always sucks if, if it turns out to be like a situation like that. But, um, it looks like we haven't had one in a while, like a true, like not someone being pulled, um, like before the game for some reason yeah. or something like is someone, you know, which is good. I don't root for that. But, right. Um, I think that speaks probably too to like how well they prepare the people for being out there and like the you know, we forget that there's like a crew of like a hundred people mm-hmm. that are making sure that everyone's like cool, you know, and everyone's like uh not gonna die and you know I think too like there's a lot of like behind the scenes stuff that I, I don't know that I never quite realized till a few years ago when I started like listening to interviews and things and like you know, there's like boxes where like if you have daily medication you go like you get checked out by the medical team a lot more than I think people maybe think you do, like because they don't want your like small cut that you had getting super infected, yeah. you know, and having to get amputated. Like you know, I, I th- they do they do a lot behind the scenes. I think to make sure people stay like safe. Uh, and they did reveal that we do have a former NFL player on the cast uh, for season forty four, Seattle Seahawks Brandon Cottom. Uh, I remember him playing for the Seahawks. I'm pretty sure he was part of that Legion of Boom uh, defense. We have a TikTok star for the very first time on Survivor. Um, and I, I love to break this news to you, Matt. We got our firefighter back. <laughs> Which is great. It's great for the vibes. Um, overall, your your overall thoughts, though, on how 43 went. I thought it was good. I think it was a, a another pretty good season. Um, some pretty interesting people. I think the Jesse Cody duo was a, a real highlight. Uh, interesting to hear that Gabler was like more in with them mm-hmm. than I think we'd been. Gabler's an interesting winner because it felt like for a large part of this season that he was sort of the butt of the joke. Yes. Not that he was like an invisible player, but just it felt like everyone didn't take him seriously. I think it's just it's always a challenge with Survivor, and this has been like a problem I think in the last two winners as well, where it felt like especially like I always think of Erica's season where she was massively massively invisible up until she like breaks the glass, and even then is like still not a major figure. But we also hear from other players that she's dangerous, but we never really see it, and. I don't know what the solution is, you know, but like it did feel like Gabler was on our screens a lot and it did seem like he had like a good handle of the game. He wasn't like a fool, you know, like he, he had like a, a, a reasonable understanding of the game. Like he's the one that sussed out like Cody and Jesse are running the game, you know, and like 
was able to turn the tide against them. Mm-hmm. Um, it was able to he was able to deflect a lot of if you can remember even right before the merge, right? Uh, he has a ton of focus on him after Ellie when he says that you know she's the greatest enemy to him and she she gets voted out and everyone's sort of like staring at him like are you crazy like but he survives that and you know does go a little like under undercover it seemed and let some kind of bigger threats play it out and um, I also think too like he just I think so much of it too is about messaging like when you get to that final tribal like how you present yourself and I think someone who's older too like you know and we've seen that we saw that um in, in seasons past where it's like someone just I think with a little more composure maybe too like some he had clearly really thought about his message and how he was going to portray his game and I think that matters you know it matters when you're able to like competently say how you felt not that other people didn't do that this final travel but I just felt like I don't know I felt like he came in really prepared but it's <laughs> he's a funny winner I don't yeah. know second oldest winner I think uh, in survivor history um and again just like we said for 41 and 42 there's so many people from this cast that i want to see play again like i would love to see jesse play again yeah. i thought he was fantastic pretty much from start to finish you could pull anybody from that jury back into you know a, a redemption season or an all-star season and i'd be all on board with that like i think 41, 42, and 43 for every cast member that's made it jury on, you could 1,000% throw them in the mix again, and I think every Survivor fan would be happy. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's just quite a few return players from the last few seasons that I would be happy to see. I would like to see, like, a return season soon. You know, we obviously haven't had one since 40. We know next season isn't going to be. Um, it would be cool, you know, if we if we get that for for 45 and or 45 or 46 if, if one of those kind of had i always think like the returners mixed with like a new batch like a fan's first favorites type mm-hmm. of situation is always more the ideal thing because it's nice to see some new like new faces mixed how they with the, old. In the mix yeah i think the mix is always a, a good uh good night we good do strategy. have a, a fun nickname too for next season uh yamila rocho aka yam yam yeah 44 is going to be wild. Um, I didn't know how I, how they were going to go to with the, the intro video that they gave with like all like the knights and dragons and everything. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> wasn't sure what was happening there, but we do have the logo for 44. Yeah. Very nice. Very, uh, I'll say it, very basic. <laughs> yes. I also like this year too for, for 43, in a lot of the big moments, they brought back like the classic Survivor music. Yeah, bring that back more, and also bring back like the intro montage of everything. I think that like is severely missed uh, with Survivor. But I've been going on deep dives on uh, on YouTube of like the worst tribes in Survivor history lately, and man, going back on some of those like mid-teens Survivor seasons and and seeing how horrifically bad some of those tribes were is absolutely comical. Like, yeah, I just watched one with the the season with Randy, the wedding videographer who like the, hates uh, weddings. Was that Gabon? Yes. Yeah, that's with Sugar. Yeah. and uh, Bob, who, you know, turns out Bob is a terrible person. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Gabon I think is always seen as like a pretty, uh, pretty tough, tough one. I think that's one that like Jeff almost quit. Yeah, like he hated to. Um, yeah. I think I had one of my favorite just general survival moments, though, when they see the elephants across the river and they all sort of just, like, sit down and, like, watch the elephants, yeah. like, kind of just, like, be in their, like, nat- like, I think of, I don't know, like, Survivor Now is cool because you still, like, have, like, some, like, interaction with wildlife mm-hmm. and stuff, but I think it was fascinating when they were going to these, like, different places and yeah. you had situations like that. I think it's, I, I think that's a, a cool thing that has been lost a little bit. You had the challenges where you, like, got to go and be with like the local people and everything which was really cool um and then i just watched one too i think her name was carla the olympic uh track star that had like just won the gold medal yeah and come to find out she was doing steroids in the olympics tough (laughs) and she did not contribute to a single win for her tribe whatsoever that season 
Uh, so that was pretty hilarious to find out that she was on steroids there. Um, but Matt, final, final one here, heading into uh, a new year. Obviously, looking back on 2022, probably in terms of you know our sports teams, easily the most successful year in our podcasting career with the Phillies in the Union, uh, the Philadelphia Wings making the playoffs. Eagles were back in the playoffs this past year. Um, pretty pretty wild 2022, I would say, for the sports scene in Philadelphia. Across the board, from you know the highest of the highs, with the Phillies getting to the World Series, the Union getting to the MLS Cup, to the lowest of lows. You know, Memorial Day is a, a day that we were like, is it even worth watching the Phillies anymore? You know, you have the Joel Embiid injuries again. You know, it's like, what what is going to happen with this team? Ben Simmons, all that kind of stuff. James Harden being injured. When you look back on 2022, what what are some things that are going to stand out? Uh, Bryce home run against the Padres for sure. I think the Phillies run in general is going to be something that sticks with me from uh, from 2022 a lot. Um the union heartbreak i think will uh will linger for a long time depending on how the 2023 nfl playoffs go 2022 could be remembered as a really special year uh for the eagles um but you know that 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 story is yet to be fully written um yeah i think the phillies are really going to dominate this year for me just because of the the magic they brought a lot of the big moments um and it's it's going to be tough to beat anytime a team makes uh, a championship or finals, whatever it is, it's always going to be hard. Yeah, the the Sixers, <laughs> they just hurt us. You know, they they just hurt us a lot. Um, but outside of that, I I would say those are the most significant things that happened. You know, I think you know again, like a lot of the Eagles stuff. Again, depending on how the next few weeks or months potentially goes, um, you know, like the AJ Brown trade, right? Like, mm-hmm. could be a kind of uh, a big moment that we reflect on from uh, from 2022 is like a, a real a real turning you know point yeah 100 percent. i think you know uh one that just happened recently shout out i think he's going to be up for our uh, underground sports philadelphia hall of fame in february for the legend award uh jim gardner final broadcast and having you know it, it's rare that you have a city have people tailgate a news anchors final broadcast but that's just Philly, baby. Um, shout out to Jim Gardner. 2022 was wild. It's going to be fun. And 2023 is going to be even crazier. It's our five-year anniversary in 2023 of doing this show and podcasting as a whole. What do you think is to come in 2023 for uh, the city of Philadelphia with their sports teams? Again, I think the Eagles uh, will see. <laughs> it's it's yet to be written. Um I'll be honest, I don't feel great about everyone else. <laughs> the Union could be good, obviously, and I expect them to, to have a good season. Apparently, guys, the is staying. They're talking about a contract extension there. But that would be huge. We talked so much about the Sixers and how we don't have any faith in them in the playoffs, and yeah. I just it's hard for me to see that. Um, could have an MVP, though. You know, like Embiid could win MVP. That would be big. Uh, you know, when you know, we'd be starting off the, the this decade with two MVPs. That well, potentially three. I mean, three, yeah. I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to win anymore, but you know, it it could be it could be a cool way to kind of uh, have this year go. The Flyers are absolutely abysmal. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, and it's it's tough to see them doing anything a note. Phillies could maybe give us some magic again, and that would be a good way to remember it. But I think your best bet now is hoping that the Eagles do something really special to to make it feel uh, like a, a big year in sports. How crazy is it, too, that, like, this year, and you go back to 2021 when Bryce won the MVP, like, every team in this city has an MVP candidate, outside of the Flyers, obviously, but, yeah, again, the who. Like, Bryce Harper wins the MVP, and Bede's been an MVP candidate for, what, the last four years? Jalen Hurts, MVP candidate this year. Andre Blake was an MVP candidate this year. I, I don't see that happening in too many other cities. It's true. Yeah, to have, like, uh, guys that are so dominant in, in their area 
uh, on so many different like sports and teams is is pretty cool shouldn't take that for granted too much especially at the uh, same time yeah i just i hope that it's not for nothing yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> be a bummer if we get like nothing out of this 100 percent um but that's all we got for you guys it's been a hell of a year we appreciate you guys tuning in all year round um and we hope you continue in 2023 make sure you're following us on the socials at underground PHI. I don't know if Twitter's going to be working uh, quite ever. It's been down since we started the episode. So, Oh, I didn't know that. That's good. At least on uh, desktop, I should say. Twitter mobile's still working, but notifications and stuff aren't. So oh, that's, cool. that's great. Um, but you can follow us on Instagram at underground PHI, facebook.com slash underground sports PHI. Uh, you can follow all of us everywhere. Just search us on Instagram, Twitter, everything twitter it's at matt castrina at kbizzl 311 and uh make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed apple podcast spotify wherever you get your podcasts we're there leave those five star reviews uh let us know your thoughts on everything we talked about on tonight's show and of course subscribe to the underground sports philadelphia youtube channel that's another big way that you can interact with us in the comments section, youtube.com slash at underground sports Philadelphia. We're at 334 subscribers right now. We got three days left for our year end goal of 350. Let's see if you guys can come through. Uh, but youtube.com slash at underground sports Philadelphia. Subscribe, smash that like button, ring the bell icon, comment down below your thoughts on everything and share the channel with your people. Big shout out to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. Of course, get your merch at phiapparel.co, code underground for 10% off any order. Uh, it's the most effective and direct way to support everything we're doing here at Underground Sports Philadelphia. So get your merch. And uh, this has been episode number 494 and the final one of 2022 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. Until next year, we are signing off. Peace. Peace.